Greetings, troubled listeners, and welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Coleman, sitting in the ring room with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Thank you. And uh, thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's great to be back here uh-huh. at the fabulous room of Ring. Yes. <laughs> you know, as long as there's no worms here, we'll right. be okay. Sure, yeah, yeah. We'll Ring have worm. medication for that, have uh, creams yeah. and preparations well, for all You that. would know. I don't well, know. <laughs> that's what, the, that's I, what yeah. I hear. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, what's happening with you? Oh, oh, you know, I was... Uh, Describing how you know I've been uh, working on my apartment, I actually kind of wrenched my uh, my hip. I think on a uh, standing on a ladder. I was trying to to uh, put a, a air conditioning register back in the ceiling, so I was I was, I was twisting at a very odd Why angle. Why don't you just hire people to do this stuff? Well, you know, I you would. Know, I, I wish I could. I wish know? I could. Here's here's what I I've, it's I've, so I've, much easier. Well, when I try to hire somebody, here's what always happens is they don't do the job that you really want them to but do. But you're hiring just guys, like, you, oh, this guy I know can do it, but those are the kind of guys you are hiring, right? Well, who else do you hire? Well, you hire licensed professionals. That's who you hire. Well, but, you know. You're just too cheap, right? <laughs> well. Pretty much, that's what it comes down to. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, do it in an expeditious manner, you know. It's like, uh, by the time I hire somebody, I could just as easily do it myself in a lot of cases, right. you know. Right, okay. And then, plus, like I was telling you, I, uh, I replaced all these sash cords on the counterweights on these double hung windows mm-hmm. so even though I, I wanted to get somebody God, that sounds really like sexual it sash does cords sash on cords on a double hung window yeah, window. yeah the counterweights yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it I'm sounds pretty kind kinky of a woody right now okay all right that, all right you know? <laughs> that's pretty good yeah 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 so you're um, hanging them yeah 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 du- double hanging them okay double uh, hanging well them. i mean they're dub- double hung windows but anyway so so replacing they're double well hung windows right yes yes they're okay. well double hung okay um, down windows yes yeah. they are <laughs> So, okay, uh, so, so, but and it gives you a sense of accomplishment when you're when you're able to uh, you know tackle this job you've never done before. You but know? yet you hurt your hip. I did, but you know, you I'm, know, I'm so uh, that so saving money by doing it yourself. Now you got to pay a doctor. No, no, to I'm, fix not, your no hip. I'm not. No, I'm not. No, it's not that bad. You know, well, not yet. <laughs> But it will be. <laughs> no, no, this no. This is what happens. No, you I'm do gonna... something now, and five years from now, your hip's killing you. No, no. And I'm you gonna... think back, why did what happened? How can my no, hip be this way? I'm pretty the resilient. Fucking, well, you think right. so now. Okay. <laughs> you, you think know? it's all going to catch up with yeah, me? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I see like your hands shake a lot, you know, so I see it. Uh, that's, you know, that's, Alzheimer's building up. No, I that's, see that's, it. You know, I've been I see like that fog, since I'm a child. The, 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 eye, the glasses are fogging up, too. I see that, too. You know? So, yeah, go ahead with your story. You're saving money because you're cheap. Anyway, right. <laughs> I'm accomplishing great things because I'm I'm putting my mind to it. So so that's that's one thing I've been doing. But uh, you know, dealing with this news that we've had, uh, you know, the the coronavirus. It's it's we talked about it on the on the last episode, last few episodes. Yeah, you were saying that's not going to be around here. We're fine. And well, all that I don't, was I saying that? Yeah, you were. You okay. and our guest. I don't know who his name was, but I don't he was, know. you guys were saying that uh, Louisiana will be fine. We're re- we're resilient. Use that word again. We're resilient. Okay. All right. You know, well, but. Yeah, look at what's happening now. Well, we have a case in Elmwood. Yeah, there's yes. four cases now. Oh, really? There's four cases. Okay. And you know what? what? See, people don't realize this. I, I saw this, that this uh, coronavirus mm-hmm. apparently takes two weeks to uh, manufacture in someone's system. Okay. After being touched or kissed or whatever, you know, coughed on or sneezed on oh, or so spat you, on. So, so you're infected, but you don't know it for two right. weeks? Right. And what was two weeks ago? Mardi Gras. Okay. Mm. 
So you're going to see a lot of fucking sick people. Okay. Here, well, it could, could be. Could yeah. be. I, I, you know, fingers crossed. I hope not. But uh, so, the, so one of the most immediate things that happened is they canceled South by Southwest in Austin. You know? Good. Well, um, <laughs> so, so uh, you know, we... They had, never invited me there, so I don't well, care about they usually don't. It's usually not by invitation, you know, but... Uh, yeah, well, I'm a big apply. shot. I'm a big celebrity. Well, what would you want, do there, though? I would host events, you know, and stuff mm, like yeah, that. I don't know that they have that kind of... They, they do. They, they have yeah. apples there. They, it's not just music anymore. It's all sorts of stuff there. Right, now, right. I don't know? know about anything but the music part, you Right, know? yes, of course. So I don't know yeah, that there is technology stuff. part. There's yeah. a film part. Yeah, I know, there's I know, all I know, that I stuff. Right. They have uh, you know all that yeah. stuff that I could be a part. But they don't want me. I don't care about them. I don't know. Maybe they're not aware of you, Manny. I don't I know how hard to believe. I, I, I it's hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know, lived yeah. in Austin. That's true. So you did live not, in Austin. How could they not know about me? I know. Even I when you every, lived in Austin. Yeah, I did everything to be noticed in Austin while I was living there. <laughs> what was that? I ran red lights. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, I screamed at police officers. Uh-huh. And I, I, I flew with the bats. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, I'd yeah, go out yeah, there yeah. every night with the bats. All right. I love those bats. Yeah. They, that they was kind of cool seeing those they, bats. They have a, a bad smell. That's what I remember about seeing the bats. When the bats come out, it's a, it's a foul well, odor. Well, if you've been in, in a cave all day and you come out, you probably stink too. You're right. You're right. You know? That's point well taken, Manny. Yeah. Well, you know, this corona, it's out of control. It yes. really is. Certain places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, you know, in Europe now, they're closing right. down whole countries. Closing down Italy. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You know why? I t- this is why. Because huh. those people don't bathe. Those <laughs> fucking Italians and those French, none of those people bathe. Italians you know? bathe pretty, pretty, pretty regularly. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Have you ever been to Venice? I have. Place stinks. Okay, well, I'm it not sure really that's the people. Yeah, well, <laughs> the place the, stinks. Just the general. Well, they rot. can't bathe in the water because well, no. it's the water stinks. No, it's yeah, a, and the French. It's forget an old about the city. French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, the yeah. French, no, I'm not going to defend them. Yeah, don't worry. Yeah, the frogs, they, they, the, the frogs, and the guineas, and all those, and the krauts, and all those people. They don't bathe much. And the English, man, get, don't even get me started on them, man. They're just lucky. You well, know? Americans bathe too much, I think. Yeah, but I only I, I got to find that happy medium. Yeah, they find, see, I grew up in in, southern, in L.A. where you had to like uh, preserve water, conserve water, right. So we would bathe in the toilet. Okay. You know? <laughs> so you do your business while you're bathing. Okay. Save time, too. Save time. And, you okay. know, you never flush for number one, but for number two, you had to flush. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I you support know, that. Uh, you know, but... Uh, We're not having a water crisis here in New Orleans, though. Thankfully, no, we have one right. of the world's largest rivers running right through the middle right, of Right. Yeah. And it's polluted as hell, I'm sure. Yeah. You yeah. know. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, th- these people don't bathe. And that's why I think they're getting sick. And I'm glad they're shutting down the country. You know, I who wants to go to Italy? I don't want to go to Italy. Oh, I would love to go back to Italy. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love you to got go. a girl there? No, no. You got a child there or something? <laughs> no, I'd like to take my children there. Really? <laughs> I'd like to, like to take and my... leave them there? Say, here, you deal with the virus. I'm leaving, kid. I mean, not right now, but I'm saying if... You know, it actually crossed my mind when, when uh, it was the panic was starting to set in. I thought, oh, maybe it'd be a good time to go since the airline's uh, flights would be cheap. Get a cheap deal. Yeah, yeah. See, it's very cheap. Again, well, you know, here comes the cheap, the thriftiness in you. Uh, yes, yes, know, yes, People are dying over there. Well, maybe I can get a good deal. Yeah. You know? So I understand that. You're cheap, and I, I get it, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm you cheap know. with myself. I'm often, you know, generous with others, but cheap with myself. It's, okay, it's okay, I get it. You're, you're all right. Okay, well, you're thank okay. you. Thank you, yeah, it's, it's out of control. It really is, you know. Uh, uh, any, any, uh, any... Well, I, you know, I called my doctor. Okay. Uh, our doctor. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, he called me back. staff physician, okay. Yeah, he called me back, and I, I, he, I said, what can I do? 
uh, you know, you know, to just to be you know safe about this, right. you know, better safe than sorry. And he, he said, uh, well, first thing, don't ever touch your face. He said, stop touching your face because you know your fingerprints, your fingers, tips have germs. They, sure, you they touch can, things with yeah, your fingers, yeah. and then yeah. He yeah. said, don't touch your face. I said, stop touching my face. I can't even stop touching my genitalia, you know? <laughs> okay. Oh, my gosh. You know, it's crazy going on. Did he say that that was okay? He, he just laughed just like you did. Okay. And right. uh, then there was a long pause, just like there is now. Well, you know? I'm, I'm, you're talking, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but uh, he's a good talk. guy. And it he was free. It was free advice. Okay, yeah, yeah, you yeah. You know, so, yeah, out there, people, uh, wash your hands and touch yourself. And uh, okay. not in necessarily in that order. Okay. But, uh, but go ahead and do it, you know. Okay. But anything else going on? I mean, this city—it's um, just embarrassment. They, they can't even. Uh, uh, the cruise ships can't dock here anymore. Right. You know, we still got this building next door, who which one big Corona sneeze would blow it down. Sure, I think, sure, you know? sure. The mayor still can't pay her taxes. Says leans against all of her properties. I wanted to ask you, Manny, as a former, uh, as a former and perennial candidate for mayor, you always file taxes, right? You always pay, yeah, pay your taxes. Yeah, I'm always late though. I well, always have to. I always have to do that extension. extension. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, well, which, I don't think she's even doing extension. Yeah, she's just, <laughs> she's just, just yeah. uh, hoping they don't notice. Yeah, you know, and I then, get it. You know, like, there was a few years in my life when I was young, and yeah, yeah but not yeah. when you were an elected official. Right. Yeah, but you know, it's like she blames on her husband. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a he's a you know gainfully employed uh, businessman of some sort, and she is too. Okay, <laughs> she's gainfully employed businessman. Yeah, yeah. Seems too. like seems like you, you know, could pay your taxes. Some, yeah, well, you would think. You know, you know and, just and, hire some. She should just hire someone. Maybe yeah, she's yeah, like yeah. you, wants to do it herself. Well, no, I, I actually hire uh, tax uh, preparers who, uh, and and all of my taxes are, are quite up to date. So, okay. Anyway, but 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 ju- I, I didn't mean to jump on that, but it, it has been sticking in my cross for a few weeks here. And but uh, um, yeah, she um, well, you, gotta, you know, just what's the two things in life that are for certain? Death, death and, and taxes. taxes. Well, you know, Latoya, get it together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, get it together. You know, you got she's got a staff, right? Yeah. You know, every every mayor has a staff. Every, sure. Got a, have a staff person just go over your records and do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, cut a check. Cut a check. Make it happen, man. You make know? it happen. You know, make Unless it all... she thinks it's going to bounce, or maybe she's one well, of these people who is like. Uh, I think they're going to sneak out of it somehow. You know, I don't know. You know, I it's don't. like we've had we've had mayors though before in this city who are very Teflon. That, That's true. Uh, well, some have have had to leave the city af- yeah. after at the end of their term. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like if they hang around too much, they're going to be a, yeah, I, too much of a target. Hey, you know, I, they make I, themselves I, scarce. I, that'd be cool with me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I could leave the city in a second. Sure, you sure. Know. You got to get elected mayor first, and right? Then, and then make a make a run for it, right? Make well, it's like when uh, when they said uh, what was it when Nagin, uh, our last oh, mayor, a few times back, right? When he when they uh, he got busted, it's like well, okay. Um, would you spend? He's spending what four years in prison? I think it's it's more. It's closer to ten. But is it really? Yeah, yeah. He'll get off in four. I'm sure. You know, yeah, it's already it's, been four. Uh, anyway. Anyway, would you would you for ten million dollars? Would you do five years in a minimum security prison? Uh huh. Would you? I mean, that's the deal. Oh, me? No. 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 Ten million dollars. If you got to have ten million dollars when you got out of jail? Nope. Five years in a tennis court, jacuzzi nope. prison. You wouldn't do it? Nope. Really? Not even to get away from the family? 
<laughs> Shit, I would do it in a second, man. $10 million for five years? I don't want to sp- spend five days in a, in a, in a, in a, uh, in a mini- penitentiary. In a minimum or... security prison where there are tennis courts uh, and you know, hot meals and no one's getting it up the ass, you know? Well, and when you say minimum security, that means maybe you don't have a lot of supervision either. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't, want to, wouldn't want to count on any, any level of uh, comfort. Yeah, but you're I'd there with white-collar criminals. Uh, you're you there with uh, Irvin Mayfield. Yeah, you're there with Irvin Mayfield. Well, not Latoya yet, but, might show up. But not, you know, yeah, but, but, uh, but Irvin is uh, Irvin and Ronald definitely gonna 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 be uh, gonna gonna be uh, joining Ray Nagin at some point. You know, all you have to do is <sighs> old day, friends. All you yeah. gotta do is the day you arrive is just shiv somebody, shiv somebody. You know, punch somebody in the balls, and all of a sudden you're the boss. You okay. Right. You know, come on, man. Okay. Okay. I guess you haven't spent much time behind bars. Well, enough. Enough to know I don't want to oh, go back. Oh, okay. All uh, right. You've heard it first here, everybody. All right, so let's get to our guests. Sure, sure, sure. Enough sure, about sure. you. Yes, enough about us, <laughs> yeah. Manny. Um, so uh, so our, our, our guest uh, grew up in Lafayette. He's been living in New Orleans for a long time. He's, uh, you know, what many of our guests have, have these hyphenated uh, descriptions. He, I, I love, he's a drummer. I mean, he's a great drummer. He's a, a drummer in many, uh, a great session drummer, great live drummer, uh, but he's primarily a drummer. Now, just in, in recent years, to add to that, he's also a filmmaker. So we'll get into all that. But without further ado, Mr. Doug Belote. Welcome, Doug. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for being here. My pleasure. So all right. You, so you came from Lafayette. You grew up in Lafayette, rather. Right. And uh, I remember one time I was... You were playing a, a gig uh, with, with our, our Iguana's uh, side country project, and uh, we we're calling a bunch of tunes, and I primarily knew you as like a, a jazz, R&B drummer, but you're on this country gig, and, and you're playing all this stuff. Clearly, you, you knew it backwards and forwards, and I turned around after a few tunes. I said, how do you know all this music? You said, I grew up playing this music. My father was a, was a bass player. Yeah. Uh, so, so not just jazz, but you, you have a, a wide, wide uh, variety of music you're, you have played your whole life. Yeah, my, my dad was a bass player out of Lafayette. Did a bunch of recording sessions. He used to tour. Uh, he used to play with Governor Jimmy Davis. Oh, really? And, uh, wow. Yeah, he, he kind of had to to kind of stay out of jail. <laughs> Getting <Okay>. caught with, <laughs> you know, like speed and stuff back then. Okay, back in the old so, days. So, I mean, basically he would be 80, 81 years old right now if he was still around. But we grew up, I grew up on Western swing music, country music, Cajun music, basically, you know. Okay. And then, uh, so that that's how I got into, uh, when you and Rod called me for the gig, I'm like, oh, I know these songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. But then you also played in church. Yeah, um, yeah. Is that Catholic church? Or? No, this was, this was a Pentecostal church. Pentecostal, okay. Yeah. There's drums in, in yeah, church? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, it was an all-white church, you know, where everybody clapped on one and three. <laughs> okay. And, uh, which is ironic because I actually went to an all-black school growing up from first through basically 12th grade. Okay. Because where I lived, my street... It, everything the I guess jurisdiction, jurisdiction or whatever you uh-huh. lived in it had uh, you zones, went to whatever school yeah, zones, zones yeah. and stuff so like everybody that. on my street went to like you know Myrtle Place I had to go to San Antoine so I was like me and my brother were like the only two white kids there so huh. that's kind of where the drums started believe okay. it or not the rhythm thing started for me that's where the beat started yeah, too yeah right? and it was, the it was yeah, yeah. <laughs> that too <laughs> so they had a band program there that you uh, played they started in? yeah it was a, but just just in general like that's when breakdancing was out and oh, okay. I, so I kind of learned to breakdance oh and really 
I'd like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you do any of that these days? Is there any video no, of that just, anywhere? Uh, no. Break no. dancing? I was a lot smaller back then, too. <laughs> yeah, no, you're just in. break. You know, <laughs> yeah, now you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that, but that's kind of how it started. And then I was at church, and then, and then um, one day this, this gospel artist came named Andre Crouch. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I saw, I saw Andre Crouch play, and um, his sister or wife played this tambourine. And I, it, was, it was just some of the best R&B funky music I've heard. And it got me in, really into the drums. And, and it, you know, I started getting into drums and stuff. And basically what happened was when I, when I was about, I got my first drum set at an auction, a state auction that they had outside LSU for like $12.50. Wow. And I brought the It didn't have no cymbals. Just See, like he a, knows a good bargain. I like oh, yeah. That. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we had to. We were so poor. We had like nine brothers and sisters. So oh, no kidding. Wow. So, so, so we had this, I bought this crappy drum set and went home and started playing and stuff. And then, and then one day, I'll never forget, I was about, I guess, 12 years old and my dad came running. You remember the Downtown Live festivals they had in sure. Lafayette? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, um, one day, my dad came in the room and said, you need to come and see this right now. I said, what? He goes, the best drummer in the world. And I was like, what, Buddy Rich? He goes, no, better. So he took me down the street. It was like five-minute drive. And he took me in, and right there was Johnny Vidakovich. I saw Johnny Vidakovich at 12 years old, Irving Charles on bass, nice. and a young, early 20s John Cleary. Okay. And I saw that trio, and when I saw that shit, that, that changed my life right there. I knew what I wanted to do from as soon as I saw Johnny on that Friday afternoon. You know? Wow. Yeah. Now, did you ever wind up studying with Johnny? Or, or? I, I did. I, t- I you know, hung out with him a lot, took some lessons, and... Uh-huh. Um, you know, here in Orleans or uh, where you live? Kind of both. I would, I would, you know, my dad would let me drive in, in high school. My dad would let me drive on a school night to Snug Harbor. Wow! To watch Johnny play, and I had to hurry up and get right back home. He goes, "You better hurry up and get back home. Make sure you come straight home." I said, "All right, yeah." But it is uh, funny stories that one day I was like, it was a Astro Project was playing on an off night, mm-hmm. like a a Tuesday night or something. Okay, and uh, at Snug and. Uh, so, so I said, Dad, can I go, uh, can, I use the, can I use the truck to go to, uh, I want to go see Johnny Vodakovich play. And he's like, and I thought, I, I knew he was going to say no, but then all of a sudden he goes, all right, go and make sure you come straight back because you got to go to school in the morning. And I was like maybe a junior in high school or something. Uh-huh. And I couldn't believe, I'm like. That's a what, two-hour drive? Yeah, it was like two-hour drive. Oh, wow. And I was like, wow, man. I'm just going to hurry and sneak out before he changes his mind. <laughs> so I, 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 I came down here, you know, before, way before cell phone. This is 1991, maybe. Yeah, right? sure. So I was like, I came all the way down here, and you know that that's back in the days. You only, I just knew it was on off of Elysian Fields, right. Snug Harbor. Uh huh. I'd been there once. Our band director took us there, and it's like, so I, I'm, I'm just going places, and I'm stopping. I'm going, excuse me, can Asking you tell me people, where, right? where Snug Harbor is? You know, like, and some people would say, oh yeah, this way, blah blah blah, and, and finally I. I parked, and you know it was sketchy back then. You know, sure, yeah, not a lot going yeah. on down there. Yeah, yeah, right. And so I go there and I watch. You know, I'm, I meet Johnny. You know, I say, mm-hmm. "Hey, man." You know, he says, "Oh, come on in. I got you on the guest list. Come on." Oh, nice. So he lets me in. I, I watched the whole first set. My dad told me, "Look, as soon as that first set's over, you get back in that truck uh-huh. and you get your ass back home because right. you got to. You know, I got to wake up at six every, every morning to go to school. So I, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I watched, I watched the show, and I remember sitting there going. You know, just like watching Johnny, and I was in awe. I was like, I was like, man, this is amazing. And then 
right in the, you know, it wasn't packed because it was a, during the week or whatnot. Sure. And, and I never forget, like Johnny just looks at me and goes, and he puts the sticks towards me and goes, you want to play some drums? And, wow. I, and I'm just kind of looking going, man, I'm dreaming this. He's not telling me. <laughs> so I literally went on stage, sat in, I was scared shitless. Oh, and I remember like James Singleton, you know, James Singleton likes playing with you. It's, he's smiling and, you know, and if he doesn't, he just looks uninterested. And okay. I, I remember being up there and he looked uninterested. Oh, okay. No, but it was great. And, and it, so as soon as that happened, Johnny, uh, after the first set, Johnny introduced me to uh, Jeff Clapp, this drummer, oh, Jeff Clapp. sure. And Jeff Clapp took me to Cafe Brazil and I met Brian Blade. Oh, wow. And that same night. Yeah. So oh. I'm watching all these badass drummers, you know. And I remember I was like, shit, my dad told me I better come straight home. I said, well, man, this is... This guy's good. This Brian Blade guy's great. So I, I'm watching him play. I'm watching Jeff Clapp play. And then, so finally, I was like, man, I better get home. So, I, I, you know, so I, I'm walking to my car and this. You can't find it. This, well, I found it. I found <laughs> the truck. The problem was this, this unbelievable fine-ass chick <laughs> comes up to me and she has no bra. I mean, she has a shirt on. You know, right, of course, right, I'm right. like in high school and her. You can see her nipples through a shirt and okay. stuff, and she's like, "Yeah, can I, can I say this?" Right. Sure, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. So yeah. she's like, "Hey, say more." She's like, "Hey," I say, "Hi," <laughs> you know, I'm like, "Hey," she goes, "Give me, can you give me a ride to Bourbon Street?" So evidently, she's a stripper, right, or, okay. some, or something. So I, I, I say, "Yeah, sure, sure." I said, "Show me how to get there." So like, so she, yeah, get, so we get in the truck. And by this time, I, it's already like you know an hour and a half after the snow stopped. So I'm like, man, uh-huh. I gotta get home. <laughs> My dad's going to kill me. And then finally, uh, I drop her off at Bourbon Street, and she goes, hey, you need to come in. You need to get out of here. For, here, park right here. I noticed, and this cop was like, you can't park here. But he knew the girl, the stripper. Okay. She's like, yes, just park right here for a second. She goes, watch it. Yeah, I just want to sh- introduce him to somebody. So she took me in Maison Bourbon uh-huh. and introduced me to Dickie Taylor. Oh, okay. The great Dixieland drummer. You right, know, right. The Dukes of Dixieland. Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, he was killing and I met him. He let me sit in. So how did that she same know night? you were into drumming? Well, I told her, you know. Oh, I okay. Like, I said, oh, I came. She goes, what are you doing in town? I said, I live in Lafayette. What are you? She goes, oh, okay. So, you know, okay, yeah. so I give her the gist. I'm like, yeah, I come to see this drummer play. She goes, she goes you got to meet this guy, Dickie Taylor. This. So I, I go and I watch him play a few tunes. And then I meet him and he goes, here, go play one. So I played one. And wow. it finally, this is like finally, through the looking glass. It's yeah, like and Alice like, in Wonderland and, here. And by this time, you know, by this time, it's probably like, Two in the morning, two uh-huh. thirty. I'm like, man, I really got to get home. <laughs> so, so I, you know, is it I, your I'm, dad's truck? Yeah, it's my dad's truck. Oh, that's <laughs> and it was a piece of shit Toyota, man. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm surprised I even, you know, and everything was a standard back then. And right. So finally, I, I, uh, I, I get to. Uh, Laplace, you know, I get out, I finally get out and find my way out of New Orleans. Uh, I get to Laplace. Okay, so you, you played at the strip tr- club? No, no, it just, she was going to the strip club. Okay. She introduced me to uh, oh, okay. Dickie right. Taylor. So, played at right. the Dixieland Club. Oh, yeah, okay. Dixie, she, was, she, she dropped me off. and I mean, she said, here. You here. dropped her off. Yeah, I dropped her off. And she yeah. said, here, meet by uh, Dickie. And then she just, I've never seen her since, you know. Wow. And then, so finally all this happened. I'm like wide awake. I'm like, wow, I got to sit in with, uh, you know, all the, everybody was just so giving and let me sit in. I wasn't even old enough to be in these clubs. Right, you know? right. I was probably 17, you know. Uh-huh. So finally, I said, man, I got to get home. My dad's going to be pissed. And, uh, and I remember it was like maybe about two or three days before my graduation. It was like that week graduation. Oh, okay. well, so this I'm is like, getting better. This yeah, is so, getting really good. So I, I'm going, I'm, I'm, I finally, uh, I get some gas or whatever and 
you know, a bag of potato chips and a Coke. And I'm like, I'm, I'm hauling ass back to Lafayette. Uh-huh. I finally get there. I'm, you know, I, I quietly put the truck in the driveway and I'm like, I'm trying to, you know, sneak in. And by this time, it's basically 530 in the morning. It's time for you to get up to so go to my school. Dad, yeah, my dad's like, he's already up and he's like, uh, he's making coffee. And, oh, and I'm just like, and I tiptoeing in. He goes, you had fun? <laughs> I was like, man, I had a blast. I was like. And I, I told him, I said, man, I said, look, I'm so sorry, but I said, look, man, I got this Johnny Vidagvis, let me sit in. And, and I met this, these two young drummers uh, that go to UNO, and, you know, it was Brian Blade and Jeff Clapp. And, oh, okay. And Donald Edwards was there. And, and then um, you yeah. met a stripper. Yeah, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, I, I, but I did. Um, so I told him, I said, yeah, and I said, but I also sat in at this Dixieland club, Maison Bourbon, this, this dr- I said, man, you got to hear this drummer named Dickie Taylor, man. He goes, he goes, you met Dickie Taylor? And I was like, that was because he knew that who that was. It all up, right, right. You know, and uh, so it was. It was kind of cool. And he goes, "All right, well, quick, take a shower. You got to go to school." I said, I, "I didn't sleep, so I was like, I was, I was still on high because uh-huh. I saw Johnny V play." You know, sure, sure. Right. So I get to school, and my band director was uh, Scott. Um, he went to Loyola, man, with Mark Mullins and everybody. Oh, okay. And, uh, Scott Gidry. Oh, okay. And Scott Gidry went to Loyola, so I. I literally got there that morning. That's my senior year only took one class, but I had to be there. It was like right. an English class. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I remember telling uh, Scott Gidge, the band director, I was like, man, I told him, yeah, man, I sat in at Snug Harbor last night with Johnny Vidal. And he's like, your dad let you do all that? Like, <laughs> but, you know, my dad at the time never worried about me because I was the only, out of like nine kids, I was like the only one that I never had a, I never had an alcohol issue. I, I, okay. I didn't fuck with drugs cigarettes right. nothing I mean it was straight up you know drums, music you yeah, know? yeah I yeah. mean that was my whole that was and he knew that and it was like um, he never even questioned <laughs> nice man you know well I remember Vidakovich he was uh, on our show wasn't yeah, yeah, he? yeah 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 he's yeah. back a, a month or so ago yeah yeah he's a, um, he's a he, he told the story because uh, I asked him, I was like, well, you know, what influenced you and stuff? And as a kid in the mid-city neighborhood, he would, you know, he'd, for like a nickel, he'd get a Coke and a bag of chips. And he'd hang out at, outside, the, you know, he's like 10 years old or something. And he'd hang out. I don't remember the names of these places, but there were places all around Esplanade. Yeah, outside the bar room. Yeah, he would, out, he would hang out outside and just listen to the drummers playing. And he said know? he could just see his feet. He said, right, I could yeah, just yeah, see yeah. the drummer's feet. I right, couldn't see. Yeah, so yeah, I just watch right, his yeah. feet and listen to right, him play. Right, because he was a young kid, and he got on like a rock or something. And yeah, just, sit on a stump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 See over and stuff like that. And that was his kind of influence. And, and so he influenced you. That's amazing. That's yeah, so he great. influenced a lot of drummers in this city. And I mean, I, I'm influenced by every drummer in this city, of course. This is a city. I mean, you know, you play with all the drummers, so you know, it's like... Even Carlo Nuccio? Carlo Nuccio is... Does he owe you money? No, but oh. uh, he's... You owe, you owe him a, a uh, debt of gratitude. Something, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's he's ridiculous too, man. It's like yes. the first time I saw him play, I was like, this guy looks like he's an axe murderer, but a badass drummer. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, he's yeah. He, you know, going with this film I'm making. Yeah. So we we're, we were talking yeah. before we, we started the podcast that that uh, so you you have a, a documentary film. Um, uh, it's it's uh, Street Beat Drumming Below Sea Level uh-huh. is the yeah. the title of it. But that's you going through and and kind of doing a pedagogy, a history of 
of New Orleans street rhythms and all the drummers that, that play that and how they learned it. And you talk a little yeah, bit well, about that. Basically, I, I took, I interviewed 25 drummers that I knew of before I got to the city that influenced me. Okay. Well, uh, Johnny, Carlo Nuzio, um, you know, Herman Ernest, who uh-huh. kind of became a big brother, father figure to me in New Orleans because I met him before I moved here. Okay. Uh, you know, Willie Green. Uh, I met Stanton Moore when I was uh, in high school. He was already in college. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, just the list goes on. I have, Freddie you know, Staley. Freddie uh, Staley, yeah, yeah, Terrence yeah, yeah. Higgins, right. Raymond Weber. Crazy Russell Batiste. Yes. I mean, I got stories on everybody, how I met them. So you're producing this? This uh, was yours? My friend Donnie Markowitz is producing it. Okay. Uh, He's a producer from Los Angeles that moved here. and We've been working on it for, actually, March 1st uh, made four years. So it should be finished this year from what I heard. So you're conducting all the interviews. Yeah, we did all the interviews, and it's being edited at the moment. So, 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 so I haven't seen. I've I've only seen a, a clip or two, like a trailer, where uh-huh. people are just kind of talking yeah. about stuff. But do you guys actually dig down into like the the actual rhythms and the the pedagogy, like the neighborhoods where things came from? Yeah, or? everybody talks about their certain ward that they're from. Okay, you know, uh, like for instance, like Shannon Powell will talk about. Growing up in Treme, Alan Robinson will talk about growing up in Treme or the West Bank. Uh, um, you know, just Harlan Riley's, you know, from the East or whatever, right. Ninth Ward. You know, it's like, and, and Stanton growing up in Metairie or Carlo growing up in Harahan or wherever the hell he's from. Right, right, right. I mean, like everybody. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing about like me, it's like I, I grew up in Lafayette and, and came up on more Cajun, Zodico, and, uh, you know, country music, but. I was influenced by black gospel R and B and New Orleans music, so I moved here at, still at a young. At, I guess I was twenty one when I moved here, twenty two or something. Uh-huh. But I was coming here and playing Bourbon Street way before I moved here, you know. Right. And it, it on, you know, and one, believe it or not, one of the, the one of the people that made me told me I should move here was Ernie Cato. I, I went to okay. my first European tour when I was twenty twenty years old was Ernie Cato. Really? Yeah, and um, and also Henry Gray, the who just passed away. Yes. But Ernie Cato, I played with him, and he's like, you know, he told me, I said, he goes, you should move to New Orleans. I'm like, really? You think I'm good enough to? He goes, yeah. He goes, I'll get you working. You know, I was like, I, I never really played with him since then, but it's like he was, uh, but he was one very instrumental confidence. in getting me. Right. And I was like, man, if, you know, I, even when I was in Europe with Ernie, I didn't even know who the hell Ernie was. I sure. mean, I knew that song Mother-in-Law, but. Right, you didn't yeah. understand the whole breadth yeah. of his his career, and he, and, and and his, he was and at a, at twenty one years old when I used to overplay like like a madman. Okay, he loved that energy, and yeah. he wanted that on every song he did. He wanted it to speed up, and he wanted you to play every twenty five dollar lick you, you knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so now you're you're doing a, a documentary, and you're a musician. You approached your producer, or he approached you. Well, or was you knew you this know, guy and you just yeah said, he I knew him he was a producer I worked for and he approached me about it but I also had the idea because there was like, he's a music producer or a yeah film produ- a film uh, producer oh a music uh, producer sorry okay. yeah he wrote he wrote uh, music you know for, for right, films so and now stuff. You, oh okay so and, now uh, you decided to do a documentary about drummers yeah and and uh, but I even had this idea you know. 15 years ago when we lost like Her- well about 10 years ago we lost Herman Ernest right Bunchy Johnson yes you know uh, Smokey Johnson and um, 
you know, and just yeah, because these guys won't last forever. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought I was like, man, these guys are like, it's just like, like it's like if, say, if like John Groves wanted to do a piano documentary, New Orleans piano documentary, but but like now, Doctor John's gone and. Art Neville left this year, you know. So that's the like, long hair's been gone. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But you see those, like, fuck, they're gone, man. It's like this right. is like, so I, that's kind of the way I felt. Like, you know, like I wanted to do this. I want, I'm basically paying homage to all these guys from heroes to peers because I'm friends with all these guys now. Right. But they were like, you know, um, yeah, it's and, like and get them while you still can. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's cool because like Steve Gad's on the documentary. Like, okay, I, nice. I, you know, Jim Keltner agreed to. Uh-huh. Being him. a musician, though, and uh-huh. doing a film, yeah, film is you know it, you have to be so patient because it's a lot of hurry up and waiting, you know that kind of yeah. stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, how did that? How do you feel about that? Because you know music, you, you set up your drum kit, you, the the guitars and oh, it drove me nuts, man. Yeah, it drove it's, you nuts. I'm I mean, sure. still like like I'm like fuck. It's been four years. I mean, I've almost gotten arguments with Donnie, like, what the hell, man? It's like, yeah, but I mean, even, on loca- even when you go to set up at someone's house, a uh-huh. drummer's house, and you got to get the light right yeah. and all this kind of stuff and the audio and stuff, for a guy like you who just wants to, you know, bang yeah, on the yeah. drums all day, that kind of stuff, uh, it was different, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a whole different thing. You know, and I basically, uh, I, have a in- I have an introduction on how I met everyone, mm-hmm. so it kind of, it morphed into it, like, Kind of so did you, you write the questions, or did you? I, I basically had about ten questions for each interview. But, it, but I can veer off. I mean, basically, it starts off almost the way you guys started off the podcast. You uh-huh. know, it's like I'll, I'll screaming ask, at each other. Yeah, praise, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I can't scream at them yet. I have to wait till the film's out. There. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> no, but that—that's yeah. It's we wanted it to feel. Um, like not in a natural way, you know. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, rather than like. And you were able to uh, get footage of live performances. We're still stuff. doing that. Yeah, you're still uh, getting the rights yeah. and all that. Yeah, to do yeah that. we have a guy doing all that, and then we have a the guy that's doing all the filming is uh, Jason from Fire on the Bayou. Uh, he's the. Oh yeah, I know him. Yeah, Jason's sure. the uh, he's the other producer. And oh, okay. Director. He's the director, and okay. So he's in. He's in my partner in this as well. Oh, cool. So it's me, him, uh, Donnie. And um, uh, also uh, Ray Hart, Mickey Hart starter. Oh, okay. Uh, he's also the one. Yeah, Mickey Ray Hart Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, her, her dad is the one that's basically, he knows so much about African music in mm-hmm. Congo Square. And he, he's a great historian, so we got him. And oh, nice. It's nice. Good, it should be an hour and a half feature from what I'm oh, told. that's going to be terrific, know, so man. I can't wait to see that. I'm, you know, it, they're working on it. It's just taking time, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, Doug, you know, we always take a little break in the middle of the podcast because uh, you can see uh, Manny and I need, need oh, yeah. uh, new drinks and, yeah. uh, and the nation out there is getting thirsty, too. So, uh, nation, go fix yourself another cocktail and uh, we'll be right back. And we're back, back in the ring room, back with yeah. Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Hey. I am Renee Coleman, back with our guest, Mr. Doug Belot. And uh, so Manny was just during the break. He was talking about the the uh, 100th episode podcast party that we have coming up. So it's uh, it's quite exciting. It's going to be a a, a, a landmark uh, episode. So we're going to do it live at the Circle Bar. We're going to have uh, a table there with. Uh, me and Manny and a couple of open mics. All of our former guests are invited. They're yes. going to be there at the Circle Bar and kind of uh, rotating in and out of the table. And uh, what time does this start at? Uh, like 
seven o'clock, you know, and then okay. uh, going till you know. What's the date? Uh, it's uh, March the 23rd, Monday, yeah. March the 23rd. If you can make it, we'd love yeah. to have you there. Definitely. Yeah, come you know, on. So, so you're a 98th guest. Our, oh. our 99th guest is going to be Uganda Roberts. Oh, speaking, nice. of, speaking of guys that yeah. uh, you want to get while they're still here. Yeah, right. Now, I hope he's exactly. here for another 100 years, but he's a guy who's, who's been, uh, you know, playing this, this music for forever. I, I can't wait to get into, uh, you know, how he learned to play, who, who his influences were. So this is the guy that, just for the nation out there, was, was uh, Professor Longhair's conga player. And he, he doesn't play, you, you may be able to speak to this, uh, in, in, to my ear, he doesn't play the Afro-Cuban style. No. He plays an African style. Yeah, totally. Afro-New Orleans New, style. Afro-New Orleans. He's a drummer? He's a conga player, oh, a percussionist. Player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, like, uh, w- with a lot of guys that are schooled in the, the Afro-Cuban canon, there's a lot of subdivision. They're very, can be, can be very pedantic about, well, this rhythm goes with this type of song and, and a lot, like I say, a lot of subdivision. And you never hear Uganda play like that. He just plays the song. He plays the groove. Mm-hmm. It's always just floats right along. And he's the best percussion player I've ever heard play with, uh, with uh, our boy John Mooney. John Mooney. I mean, he's, I've seen other percussion players do it, and it's not the same as when he does it, you know. And, right. And, uh, he's just yeah. got such a fat tone, yeah. such a, a, a fat uh, pocket that he, that he plays in. It's so relaxed. He never, it never fights anybody, you know. Right, right. Uh, I've learned so much from him just listening to him, playing with him. I, I remember one of the first time I played with him, with, with John, uh, like John gave him a solo, and I stopped playing. He goes, and he turns around. And he goes, "Keep playing, man." <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. It's like as a bass player, he wants yeah. to, he wants something to play against. Yeah, he wants a bed, yeah. yeah. Which which right. which was cool. But so so yeah. So so Uganda, and I thought, well, that might be a, a, a tough pull. You know, I don't I don't want to expose Uganda too much. And and John Mooney was a guest on the podcast a, a month or so ago. And on the way Did you home, ask him why he doesn't hire us anymore? No. <laughs> no, no, he, I, no I, he hires me. No, I'm he, just kidding. He, he hires you, too. He just no, won't no. hire us together. I, mean, yeah, I don't know why. Except he to do the record. Doesn't want to, yeah, yeah, we played on John's record together. And then, then since then, you and I haven't been on the same day. Yeah, yeah. Now, we both played with him since. I don't know. Look, oh, yeah. if you're trying to figure out John Mooney's uh, rationale, oh, you know. I know. I, it was crazy, man. I, I played, the first time I ever played with John Mooney was, was, Man, it's 20, 20 years ago. It was his wedding when he was married to Lisa. It was okay. the wedding night. Oh, wow. And he called me to, Bunchy Johnson called me to play it. And I remember I was playing with Irvin Charles down the street on Bourbon Street. And I said, I said, what kind of, I said, I know Joe John Mooney is, but what kind of stuff is that? Like, what, what do I play? Mm-hmm. And you remember Irving Charles? Oh, yeah, sure. And he's like, I oh, just, just play that wild Magnolia shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he goes, you'll be fine. And then that's when I met uh, Uganda. And okay. He was very cool with helping me out on that gig, and yeah. uh, it was John's uh, wedding night. <laughs> oh wow! And then you know we John played on his own wedding night. Yeah, it was at Maple Leaf. It was packed, man. And I think we were all fucked up, high and fucked yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I on Flaka. Oh man, I'm, I'm on, on everything. <laughs> it was yeah, man. It was uh, it was a. Are they still married? No, 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 no. <laughs> clearly, clearly not. Yeah, I'm sure they're not. No, no. So, so uh, speaking of, of uh, you know, I, I don't know if you're going to include this in your film. I, I would suggest you do. Maybe on the outtakes is you are quite adept at imitating other New Orleans drummers. You, I, I saw uh, in the last couple of days. I saw the 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 uh, imitation you did of Stanton Moore, yeah. which. Uh, 
Doug uh, can can imitate all the the idiosyncrasies, all, all like the the uh, ticks of every drummer, <laughs> all their <laughs> mannerisms, and also the way they play. And so the one that you do for for uh, for Stanton is is terrific. And then I saw the one that you you did for Johnny yeah. today. <laughs> well, Johnny 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 actually the him and Stanton every time I anybody I uh, imitate uh-huh, do an know, impression uh, of yeah, yeah impression of it would not. They they're the ones that posted on social media. Sure, I'm not on very, Facebook. It's very flattering. No, yeah, it's, yeah. I, was like, I could do James Singleton on bass. I could okay. do Johnny V, uh, <laughs> Stanton. You know, it's like uh, yeah, so you're a musical thespian. In I mean, way. well, Herlin Raleigh calls me the rich little of the drums. That's <laughs> okay. Funny. There you go. Can you can you do Herlin? You have a have well, a, I'd have her, to have a drum a set. drum set. No, but, yes. but but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I probably can. Can you I, do Renee? No, no, I, I can't. <laughs> I can barely do her. Only do cool people. No. Oh. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> See, this is why I had him on the podcast. <laughs> I, knew, I knew he'd get along with you, man. <laughs> so, um, but uh, so just to, to shift gears for a second, I was looking at your discography today. You've played on like over a hundred records. You're very in demand. You've played on on. Uh, you know, like like everybody from all, all the Lafayette people, you know, uh, and South Louisiana people, Gatemouth Brown, Son, Sonny Landreth, um, then also, you know, like guys like Derek Trucks and also like Fred Wesley, uh-huh. just goes all over the place, Ricky Lee Jones. Uh, and then I saw that you, you played on that Bobby Rush record. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which was done at that same studio that, that we did the Mooney record, Well, actually, right? I did that at Dockside. But oh, they, okay. They did some overdubs at at that re- at okay studio, which is a terrific record, man. Bobby oh, Rush, really? Jeez. yeah, yeah, no, oh, what man, a, he's, what a monster. That guy, uh, national he's, treasure, he's eighty something years old, and yes. he's up Still at going six, six o'clock every morning. Yeah. He's writing songs, man. Yeah, I remember we were at Dockside and we were all standing at pool house, and I, mm-hmm. I get up early. You know, he was already up writing lyrics like like a book like that, a tablet, and and you know, and it's all these like catchy lyrics and. You know, uh, talk about a hard worker, man. And we were in the studio for, I mean, I'm like, man, 10 hours that day, and his energy level never came down. Wow. No kidding. What was cool about that record, though, I got to say, though, is uh, uh, Lee Allen Zeno, the bass player from Lafayette, had played Mm -hmm. on most of the Zotico stuff. And Uh it was Lil Buck Senegal who basically took, you know, who. He just passed. He just passed sure, away. Sure, no, we're, Buck we're, yeah, we talk about Lil Buck all the yeah, time on Lil here. Lil Buck, when I was in high school, he took, you know, Charles Adcock, right. Eric Adcock, Roddy Romero, uh, John Barres, myself, uh, all the white kids, man. That all we, under we start, his wing. He we we started trying to play blues, and and he saw this, and he he would hire us in Cowboy Stew, that band, and. He would hire all of us and, and man, bitch us out the whole time. And I mean, he taught me how to play a shuffle. He taught me yeah. how to, because we were doing a shuffle and he was on that session with uh, Roddy Romero, me, and we were all on that session with Bobby. Okay. And uh, and I'll never forget, like, we were doing a shuffle on the on one song and he, and he stopped the middle song and he came out up to me and he looked at me and he goes, boy, who taught you how to play a shuffle like that? And he was like, he was giving me a compliment. Right, basically. right. And you said a little buck. And I said, oh, yeah, I pointed a little buck. 
<laughs> and, then, and then Lil Buck looked at him. He goes, I taught all the little white motherfuckers how to play. <laughs> <laughs> he was right, you know. Yeah, Lil Buck was, what a sweet guy, oh, man. Yeah. What a fucking sweetheart. I yeah. see, of all these Louisiana influences, but you're a young kid. When you're a young kid, I mean, you listen, is there any, like, pop music you like, a heavy metal music you like, Man, I never rock. really got, it's crazy, I never... You never it, got into any kind I, I of John what, Bonham? You were never a John Bonham I, I, devotee? I, I, you know, not till later in life. Watts. Okay. Not till later in life. It's kind of cr- man. My whole music experience was crazy because I, the first drum I heard was like I say, like Warren Storm and okay, all these Zodico sure. drummers. Right. You know, these black Zodico drummers right. in Lafayette. Swamp pop, yeah, stuff, swamp yeah, yeah. pop. But I mean, you're at this black high school. You're at. I, well, yeah, that's what I say. I didn't know. No, I never heard no George Clinton Funkadelic. Oh yeah, yeah. Played, I was into like, all that. I was into yeah. anything like. You know, Black music oriented cameo, uh, yeah, yeah, just anything that was on the radio, you know. Sure, you know. and um, yeah, and uh, peaches and herb. Were you <laughs> into them? Oh, Earth, and everything, Ohio. yeah, everything. Yeah. I mean, Ohio maze, players. you know. Maze, yes. I mean, whatever the, because you know, like I say, going to the all black school, the 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 teachers would play the radio, so you hearing what they hearing, you know. Sure, it's like, and the bus drivers were black, so you heard the loudspeakers in the bus like playing, you know. Everything from Clifton Chenier to... So I was more exposed to that than I was John Bonham. Right, Or, sure. or Charlie Watts or, you know... Uh, right. Anything. Any, I mean, honestly, any kind of white music except Cajun music because that's... I was kind of boxed into all that stuff. Uh-huh. Then I got into church music and, 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 and you know, it's... it's uh, so it, that's kind of how... I, my, my whole musical upbringing is different because, I mean, there's sometimes I'll still go... God, his drum track sounds good. Who is this? And somebody go, John Bonham. I was like, yeah, oh. like how I heard this song for years. This? I didn't even know. Yeah, <laughs> right. so yeah. of course. I mean, you know, it's like and, or and, Ginger Baker, yeah, or somebody yeah. like that. Yeah, I got all. I, I've yeah. figured all that out like after the fact. You know, okay. right? It was, um, yeah. The, my whole musical upbringing was was ass backwards, if you will. But it, yeah, it came from a, the source. I mean, yeah, it was it was a natural thing because yeah. that was the milieu you were growing up in. Yeah, I, I, yeah. and I didn't, you know, like. Like I said, I didn't seem natural to you. All the and I heard all the pop stuff on the radio, but right. it's like I. But you know, my dad was an old school man. He was like he played swamp pop. He played country. I remember the first white band, believe it or not, I got into. Well, the first Van Halen was all something about Van Halen that always drew me to music. I'm like, man, this stuff feels good. Okay, yeah, Van but, Halen rocks. Yeah, and, and to this day, it's like, but the first white band I ever got into, believe it or not, was Striper because they were a Christian rock band. And they used to wear like the, you know, the, the spandex, the spandex and, right. shit. and my dad would go like, you know, look at them sissies. That ain't real music. That's some, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And, and, uh, <laughs> and I remember we were watching a clip of Buddy Rich on TV and I was just like, or Max Roach or somebody uh-huh. like that. And um, yeah, I think it was Max Roach. And my dad goes, look, see this drummer? Watch this drummer. And I'm watching him play. I'm like, wow. And I said, man, is that guy as good as the drummer from Striper? And my dad, I remember him getting pissed off, and he looked at me. He goes, I mean, "I'm not gonna say the word he said." But he goes, "He goes, man, that that can't even hold the, uh, Max Roach's drumsticks, you know? Right, like, right. He can't even hold his jockstrap or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever the hell he said." Sure, sure, sure. But you know, he, he had long hair. They were all like had makeup on, well, and spandex. Yeah, and it was, it was like that, that time. It was like yeah, you know, yeah, 80, yeah, yeah. early '80s or whatever. Yeah, my, sure. And my dad's like, "That's not music. That's a bunch of fucking noise." And and uh, it was, it's funny because, like, I remember when I started playing with Anders Osborne, we were kind of rocking and stuff. And I'm uh-huh. like, and my dad, I remember he came out and I said, man, he's going to hate this because he's probably going to think it's that kind of rock and roll. That, 
but he actually loved it. He goes, man, this guy can write some real songs. Oh, like, okay, nice. Was like, and Anders and my dad became good friends. And nice. Well, you, but, uh, you, you, you came from such a, a musical background where, you know, everybody yeah. was clued into it. Um, just to switch gears again, so you've been playing with Jerry Douglas for uh, yeah. 10 years. Jerry Douglas. 14 years. Yeah. 14 years. Yeah. Wow. Now, I, I, I heard a funny story about when, uh, first of all, tell, tell the nation who Jerry Douglas is. He's yeah. a 12-time Grammy Award winner. Yeah, uh, he's about like 15. I think he got more Grammys oh, okay. since I joined so, him. All right, okay. <laughs> but he's a, he's a Dobro player, and he's in the bluegrass world and Nashville session world. Plays with Allison Krauss, and he's basically like. Do you know Allison? I do. Yeah. You know, because I got kind of, I got a kind of thing for her. Oh, really? Do you think you can introduce me to her? I'll try. You know, that'd be great. She, yeah, I remember the first time I played with Allison. Uh, just to recap. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, she doesn't love. I mean, she doesn't like loud anything. You know, like okay. So she really doesn't like drums. You uh-huh. know? Just so the like, idea I basically of drums. had. A, yeah, I remember yeah. I did two or three shows with her we had a show in new york and a show in san francisco and a show somewhere else and and jerry got me on the gig mm-hmm. and it's me and jerry and sam bush and victor kraus uh-huh. and i never forget we're in rehearsals and jerry goes look you know make sure you bring some brushes because she doesn't like you know loud drums and this and that she's really cool but i remember we started playing i was playing with some brushes and i was real and then and then she's like yeah yeah it's a little let's bring it down a little bit maybe it's the drums i'm like so I literally like took a shaker in my finger and just going like like you just playing with your fingers and, and then she loved it you know like, and I mean I remember it's the most fingers. money I ever made in my life and, wow and, and, and I didn't even use the drumsticks yeah yeah <laughs> but then she loved disco and we went to she loved Harley, disco. Harley Strictly Bluegrass Fest out of all places she wanted to do uh, one of these disco tunes it's actually on YouTube I think. Uh, Huh. Does she suffer from migraines? Because I know people who suffer from migraines have certain things like like flashes of light will set off their migraines or loud oh, drums. I, yeah, yeah. I know. yeah, that might do I, it. I, I was just always the, I'm. It's crazy just being with Jerry. You know, being the drummer for a, a basically a bluegrass group that plays. Yeah, I you was would, like, I'm the antichrist at all these festivals. Yeah, because they don't have drums in that no. music traditionally. And it's funny, the only people that like what I do is like people like Bela Fleck or Victor Wooten or like you okay, know, like guys the Flectones that are in those and that kind of and hybrid the, groups. Yeah, and already. It, and that's basically we became like a jazz fusion group almost. You know, right? But, and in the first, uh, so I, yeah, I, I this whole Jerry thing it's, it's crazy I didn't even know what a Dobro was until I moved to Nashville and the only yeah. reason I moved to Nashville was because Katrina happened and I just didn't want to stay here the vibe was so fun well, yeah well no one wanted to stay so we couldn't stay we didn't have a city yeah yeah, yeah. exactly so <laughs> yeah, like the only place city. I could eat was at Parasols at the time which ain't bad but I mean <laughs> sure. how many roast beef po' boys can you eat yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, just like, yeah 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 three you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, I'm sure my like, cholesterol like is already high. How many licks uh, does yeah, it take uh, to get to the center? Bottom, uh, <laughs> tootsie roll, <laughs> tootsie roll, tootsie pop. Tootsie pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three, uh, three, exactly. I packed up my three. car and moved to Nashville, and I was just hanging out. You know, because I've always done sessions here, like recording sessions, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I said, well, "Shit, man, I'm gonna go try it over there." You know, but right. then I got there and I was like, "Man, I didn't like really any of the music there." You know, like, but they but liked then, you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of cool because I was like the the. The first session I had there was with this guy Jack Pearson, who was um, he's um, he was the guitarist with the Allman Brothers at you know like at the time as well and uh, right, and I was playing with Jimmy Hall and all these people and then and then Jerry Jerry um, 
my friend Jerry Douglas had a drummer that quit. Mm. He just he just quit, and they had a in Burlfest was their first gig. Okay. So the this guy recommended the bass player uh, recommended me, and he goes and he goes, hey, look, uh, Jerry's looking for a drummer. I said, oh, okay. I, I just wanted to work. I didn't know. Sure. So I went to his house. He gave me the address. Um, pulled up to Jerry's house. His studio's upstairs. I'm walking up with my bass drum. And Jerry comes walk, coming down the stairs, and he's like, hey, how you doing? I said, good. He goes, who, who are you? I, I thought he knew I was coming over, but uh-huh. evidently he didn't. I said, yeah, I'm uh, Doug Belote. I'm, um, I'm here to audition for the drum spot. And he's just like, oh, okay. You know, he's just real cool. He's like, oh, okay. And he started laughing. Yeah. But I thought you had I thought, the gig already, right? Well, I thought I was auditioning for Jerry Reed. Oh, <laughs> I had no idea who Jerry Douglas was. So I was like, <laughs> so I was like, yeah. I said, hey man, I'm a, I'm a big fan of Smoking the Bandit and he's bounding down and he just yeah. starts laughing, you know. I was like, <laughs> you know. so I, we get Jerry upstairs. Jerry has that song uh, about Rufus. Um, uh, what's that? You song? mean uh, oh, you talking about Amos Moses? Amos, yeah. yes, yeah, that's and I, Jerry so Reed, right? Like, we get up, yeah, and we get up there, and we're like, we start jamming, and I knew the bass player and the guitar player, and they're the ones that recommended me, and we're like, so I'm like, let's play Amos Moses, you know, like, yeah. and, they all, and everybody's just looking at me, laughing, what like the I'm, fuck are you and I was actually about? serious, yeah, yeah, you were serious. <laughs> yeah. So we, it, it's funny how all this shit just like intervenes and just comes together because we jamming for like 45 minutes or an hour, and he, we just stop and. And uh, I basically took my jazz influence and put it in his music, you uh-huh. know, stretching out and right. You know, and he liked that, and that's what he always wanted, but never knew how to ask a drummer. And to nobody do that. ever did that. Yeah, nobody ever took the chances. And so I, he he stopped. He went inside. He was on his phone for a second. He come out, and he says, "Man, let me talk to you for a second outside alone." I said, uh-huh. "All right." So I'm thinking, well, it probably didn't work out. Whatever, you know. It's like he's about to it, dismiss you. Yeah, I thought he was going to. You know, and he goes, "Look, man." He goes. Uh, <laughs> He goes, uh, I just called Sonny Landreth, and every, he said he knows you, and you grew up down the street from him. I said, yeah, I, I've been knowing Sonny most of my life. And he goes, yeah, he says, he has a good word. He goes, look, the gig's yours if you want it. Wow. I said, yeah, sure. And, and I remember he gave me the gig, gave me all these, this freaking page, and we were about to go open for Paul Simon for three months, you know? Wow, okay. And I remember seeing this going, shit, man, I went from being no money to the best gig I've had, you know? And... And I said, man, can we, uh, are we going to play some more? He goes, if you want, you know, we can, uh, you know. I said, man, let's play Amos Moses. And he still just, he just kept looking at me and laughing, and he starts laughing. So I get home. My roommate was this uh, session guitarist in Nashville named Pat Bergeson. And, uh, and he, I get home, I say, hey, man, I got, the, I got the gig with Jerry Reed. And he goes, who the fuck and, and, is Jerry? Yeah, and he's like, no. He goes, I just saw I Jerry in the do. hospital, man. He had an oxygen mask. And, yeah, exactly. And he goes, uh, he's in I said, no, I'm serious, man. He looked good. And he plays his guitar in this lap. It's kind of weird. He plays with a slide. He's like, uh-huh. he's, pretty, he's a badass, man. Like, he goes, he's just kind of looking at me. I'm like, and I said, yeah, look all these dates we have. And he goes, oh, you got the gig with Jerry Douglas. Yeah, he's a good friend of mine. You know, I said, I said who? <laughs> I said, "Who the fuck is Jerry Douglas?" <laughs> I did not know it. I didn't. I was like, "He goes, yeah, it's the best dobro player in the world, and blah blah blah, and this and wow. that." So I, I, you know, I, I lost every a lot of stuff in Katrina because a lot of my stuff was in my ex girlfriend's house and off of Bank Street, and sure. she had like twelve feet of water or something. Oh, so I didn't have a laptop. So I, was, so I remember I was going to the uh, to the library to check 
like to Google Jerry Douglas, right. and, and I see he <laughs> yeah, has all who this. Am I playing for? And I'm yeah. like, God damn, this guy, like, you know, That's this guy did a lot of stuff, right? And then it seems like everybody, every one of my friends knew about him except me. And it, and I called Jerry that night, and I said, I said, man, uh, he goes, hey, I said, hey, I want to thank you for giving me the gig. He goes, yeah, man, it's all good. I said, look, man, I said. Hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I said, man, I, I've never heard of you. <laughs> he goes, I thought I thought you were Jerry Reed, and he starts laughing. It's like, no, I'm serious. I, 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 I sorry, man. I said, I really thought I got I took the gig with Jerry Reed. He goes, well, you still want the gig? I said, no, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, I just I never heard of you. And everybody, he goes, oh, I'm, you know, just musician like you. And he was, he's very humble, you know, yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. dude, man. And What's said, his biggest song or hit? I mean, or? he's he's basically a session musician. Oh, okay. He played on every uh, number one hit in. Right, the, so, you know. so you mentioned Paul Simon. So, yeah, you, and then we ended up going on the road with Paul Simon for. Um, You're his band. Well, it was Jerry's band. But we were opening up for Paul Simon. Oh, okay. Right, right on yeah. all those. All, Which that had tour. Steve Gadd, you know, wow, the most yeah. influential drummer in the world to me. You know, it's like. I mean, okay. so so you and Steve Gadd yeah. wind up being buddies. We we go run in the morning. So how tall start. is Paul Simon? He's, he's about he's like four he's about two, up to my, right? Yeah. He's about up to my belly <laughs> yeah. button. Yeah, he's like four two, right? <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like he has a twin brother, from what I hear. Really? He does. That's, I heard he has a twin brother, huh. and and um, I didn't I never knew our, bro- yeah. our, our brother that's just as small as him. They look alike. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and uh, Jerry was well, I should man say this, in the Iron Man. But they told me like, right. yeah. And uh, one day, I forgot, Jerry was on the road with James Taylor somewhere, or something, and, and, uh, and, and Paul Simon came with his brother, and uh, Carlos Vega was this, um, this great session drummer from Los Angeles, and, uh-huh. and he was smoking a joint, and he, he looks, and he sees Paul, and he, and he looks at Jerry, and he goes, who's that with Paul? And Jerry goes, I don't know, I think it's his brother. He goes, what's he for, spare parts? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, yes, most definitely. That's yeah, exactly yeah, why yeah, exactly. <laughs> but Paul actually liked me, man, because I was from Lafayette, and he did some of Graceland. Right, right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. with, with uh, uh, um, uh, Uganda. Uganda. Doopsie, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man. Uganda should have been on that record. <laughs> oh, man, I have a hilarious Doopsie story. So, so I, I'm, I'm, I fly out with Johnny Adams to Albuquerque, and we're doing just like a, a, a one-off. Now, Johnny Adams shows up at that, uh, for that flight with a, a, a white um, a safari suit and a golf visor on, and then he has a full head of curlers in his hair because he wants his process to be correct when, when we get to the gig in, in Albuquerque. So we're, we, we get to the hotel and we go eat, eat dinner and, and Doopsy is there at the, at the Doopsy Senior uh-huh. um, at the table with us. And it's me and Johnny Adams and Doopsy and uh, maybe like... Uh, Legends. Like, yeah, and like, like, um, like uh, uh, Ross, uh, what's that guy's name? Guitar player that played with at the time, the one-legged guy, uh, Eugene Ross. Uh, yeah, yeah, Eugene yeah, Ross. Fucking great. The guy who's on the uh, recording... The, the gig recording of, of the, uh, the Ray Charles band where, where there's a guy going, this man is a dog. <laughs> anyway, so, so Doopsy's talking and, and uh, Dylan had just been recording... Uh, uh, Time the, Out of Mind? No, no, the one before that, uh, Oh Mercy. Oh, the Mercy first is. one they did here. And, and he's talking about, Doopsy's talking about being on that session. And he's talking about Bob Dylan. Yeah, they, this, this guy, Bob Dylan, called me into a session. He goes, and he's, he's going, yeah, they, they asked me to go on tour, but I don't know. But he goes, but then people say, you know, he's big. Bob Dylan is big. 
<laughs> and I'm, I'm going, wow, he's totally serious. That's, again, how, how cloistered, how, how uh, insular Louisiana can be, you know. In South Louisiana, these guys, they don't know who Bob Dylan is. They don't give a fuck, man. Yeah. Oh, man, the best one was Shannon Powell when, when uh, the great drummer here, Shannon Powell, that I, 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 I was living in Treme, and I, I went by his house, and I said, man, I heard you... you I heard you had some special guests last night. That's when the Rolling Stones came uh-huh. see him. They all came see him at Preservation Hall. I think, uh-huh. I think Stanton Moore sent him there or something. Okay. And I told him, I said, boy, I heard you had some special guests last night. He goes, he goes, yeah, man, the drummer that played on Papa was a Rolling Stone came out last night. And I was like, uh, I think you mean the drummer for the Rolling Stones came out last night. <laughs> and, um, and it was another time where they were, Madonna's Bar and Grill was open. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stan Moore took uh, Metallica uh, to the to Donna's to see Shannon play, and they were just like, "Oh, they never seen anything like that." Right. And then you know they walk in, and and then Stanton goes up to him and says, "Hey, the drummer from Metallica's here, Lars Arch." He goes, "Who? The drummer from Metallica?" And then Shannon's like, "What?" You know. And then Shannon stops the band and goes, "Oh, we got some special guests in the house, y'all." He goes, "Uh, he said." Y'all give it up for Metallic. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I love the fact that he has no idea right. of what the hell is going on outside of the, the three-mile radius of where we're at right now, yes. the ring room. Uh, yes. But, but everybody else in the world knows who this guy is. Right. And they make it a concerted effort to come see him do his thing, man. You know, it's like, right. And that's, again, why I want to do this. I'm doing this thing because so, eventually that shit's going to be you know, it's not going to be as, you know, as real, you know. This is going to be like the, the Rosetta Stone yeah. of, of New Orleans drumming yeah. here. No, this is... This I mean, it's, yeah, drumming for... New Orleans drummers for dummies, you know. Well, no, I mean, New yeah. Orleans drummers for the ages, where, yeah, true, you know, yeah. where, where you're, you're, you know, you, you have this, this deep, uh, you know, connection to all the guys that came before them. That's, like, that's what I want to talk to... Uh, to Uganda about it's like where did you learn you know wh- who what guy in your neighborhood did you learn from you know that's fascinating to me yeah you know, that's and that's exactly what's on my video I mean when I interview right. Zigaboo he talks about all these guys he goes yeah I used to watch um, Art Neville and and whatever his first band was he goes me and the Hawks or something yeah, yeah something yeah. like he goes they rehearsed and we, we were allowed to sit on the porch and watch through the window but we yeah. couldn't go in right <laughs> It was just stuff like that, man. And that's, you know, uh, Johnny Vodagovich told me that same kind of story. And he'd talk about he'd go watch Freddie Staley play, you know, right. with Wayne DeVillier, you know, some right. B3 player. And then uh, everybody had, you know, you know. There's always somebody before them that they, yeah. that they you know, yeah. loved and, and devoured everything. And then they put whatever their thing was onto yeah. that. It's a thick culture here, man. It's, it's uh, the drumming community here is like, it's just. Uh, I mean, basically, if you, Congo Square, which is basically yeah, about just a few blocks away, few blocks away yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is the first place a drum has ever been played outside of uh, Africa. You know, like like the first place in United St- right. United States, rather, right, uh, right there. I mean, that's like that's the first place that yep. a drum has ever first place a drum has been played that was brought in. You know, yes, um, and uh, so it, it's it's definitely like it's right there it's, under the surface. Man. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's like. Man, it doesn't get any more real than this, you know. Um, Fuck no, man. You know, um, it just doesn't, you know. So. 
And uh, we're, we have to wrap up here, but one thing, an uh, interesting thing I, I was discovering today is that uh, at some point when you were, uh, you know, in your formative years, you went up to, uh, to New York and, and studied with the Drummers Collective. But you studied with Ricky Sebastian, yeah. who's from Lafayette. So right. He, this, Ricky Sebastian must oh. have grown up within a few miles of you. Well, from, Ricky's, Ricky's, if you ask me who's my favorite drummer in the world, it's probably Ricky Sebastian. Yeah. You know, because we got a connection, man. He's not only one of my best friends, but when I, when I, I was studying Johnny Vodakovich a lot. Mm-hmm. And then somebody from Lafayette, this guy that went to school with Ricky, goes, man, have you ever heard this guy, Ricky Sebastian? I was like, no. He goes... Let me give you this tape of John Schofield. This is Ricky Sebastian. He came to US, USL at the time, and he goes, he, he you know, grew up in New Orleans area. He's from here, but grew up in the New Orleans area, too. Like, you know. Oh, no, Ricky? So, yeah. No, and Ricky it, grew up in Lafayette, right? Yeah, we Lafayette, Opelousas, you know. But, right. And, uh, and I remember, so I asked Johnny Vidagovich, and I started asking all these people about Ricky, and they would look at me with these eyes like, man, you know. And Ricky. He's the shit, right? I mean, Ricky, yeah. Ricky was like. He's the guy that went to New York and just took New Orleans drumming to like with the Latins, with the Cuban, the Brazilian, the fusion. Right. And I, I heard, you know, I mean, he's just one of the baddest drummers alive to me, man. I mean, yeah. and everybody's great here, man. Like sure. John, in the words of Johnny Vidogovich, even the bad drummers are good here. <laughs> you, know? you know, it's like, and it's true if you think about it. I mean, like... You, some of them. Yeah, well, you got to <laughs> play with them. I, don't them. <laughs> I actually yeah. don't play with any bad drummers. That's that's well, I've reached a point in my career where I don't play with any bad drummers. Thank God. Man. And you know, I got to give it to you know also Doug Garrison, man. I mean, I I I, I uh, oh, fuck yeah. I mean, that, Doug that, Garrison's yeah. a monster, man. I mean, that guy's like, hey, I I I'll, I'll tell you, uh, Manny, this uh, I, the first time I heard these guys, uh, I, I guess I was in high school or yeah, the, I heard you at Grand Street yeah yeah so, so and I had you were seeing gr- the iguanas when yeah. you were in high school yeah yeah I was watching why you're so nice to me oh, no no I heard y'all and then I had this girlfriend who was like seven years older than me oh, okay. and she had a crush on Renee I'll never forget oh. she's telling friends she goes man the bass player's hot I'm like, okay hey, well, hey, okay. hey first time I'm hearing this story <laughs> Yeah, but, but uh, uh, no, I used well, to listen. Go to, on. No, I used to listen to oh, Anders. Uh, I used to listen to Anders. Uh, um, you know, Grand Street was like the that was the place to play in Lafayette. Yeah, it was a big remember? dance hall, sure. Yeah, it's, it held hear, like a thousand people. I would or hear the meters, you know? the the funky yeah. meters, uh, the iguanas, uh, Anders Osborne, uh, the Neville Brothers. I heard them once there. They did uh, like way back in the day. Sure. I mean, this is eighty nine. You know, right? You know. Um, that's where I met. I met. So Willie you Green. went from a thousand seat hall to the Circle Bar. You know, man. So you're working your way and down. And then they start uh, calling. Career, <laughs> careers ebb and flow, man. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. You don't have any control of uh, whether you're a star or not. All you can control in music business is whether you're in the music business or not. Whether you yeah. play music or not. And to me, that's the important thing: is that I'm playing music. Yeah. I don't. I, you know, it's. I, I, I can't even keep track of what money I'm earning. You know, yeah. I've, I've, again, Manny, one reason I'm so cheap is because I spend as little money as possible, whether I'm making a million or, or $5. And then I just try to play. I mean, if you stay in this business, you'll make hundreds of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of dollars. Hey, you, you know, wow. it's a funny story about Grand Street real quick. Uh, Willie Green, you know Willie Green, the drummer no, f- know. for the Neville Brothers? The Neville Brothers forever, yeah. He, yeah. He's like, I remember I was young. I was like, hey, Willie. And he gave me his card. It said, like, mean Willie Green. I'm like, wow, I got Willie Green's card. And he goes, yeah, call me, man. Come hang out with me in New Orleans sometime. I said, all right. And I was, like, in high school. He's like, 
And he goes, yeah, man, uh, yeah, come by the house, man. I, I, I said, I want to take some lessons. He goes, yeah, just come by, man. We're going to jam. I said, cool. He goes, yeah, bring some weed. And I'm like, oh, I, I don't smoke. He goes, oh, then bring some, uh, bring some Coke. I, said, <laughs> I knew you were oh, going to say that. I, 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 don't, I don't do that. Yeah, he goes, he looks at me and goes, what you do? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck do you don't, do? Don't come over then, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you shouldn't come over. That's probably why he never let me back. <laughs> no. Well, Doug, this yeah. seems like a podcast, right, man? Yeah, it's a good time. I'm sorry I didn't get yeah. to anything. Uh, <laughs> I think you got to a lot. We uh, talked about your film. You know, that's, that's the whole, I mean, you know, you are, is the whole impetus to, to have you on. You know, you're the totality of Doug Belote. But, but uh, you know, we're, we're all very excited about your film that's coming out. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll for sure continue to promote that. And, and uh, Man, I was thinking with all the New Orleans drummers in this town, you know, this town's full of drummers. If we can get 100% of them to vote for Manny for mayor, uh, you, might, you might be number two. Yeah, <laughs> might, might finish last. Could have hundreds of votes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody votes in this town. <laughs> That's yeah, true. Right. <laughs> nobody votes in this country, man. Yeah. That's the whole problem. Yeah, yeah, you know? no, it's it's true. I vote, but uh, you know, I can't seem to convince anyone else to. Yeah. Anyway, uh, well, thanks for having Doug. Me, uh, thank you so much for for being here. You've been a, a, a lovely guest. We love your accent. We love all the stories. And you know, uh, Doug on the Trouble Give Man. Give him pod- a sticker. Oh man. yes, thank you, Manny. Oh, I have I, one. I put it on my snare drum in it. Oh, I, you I remember have I had to sticker. take it off and it, it like right. it wouldn't come off. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, I'll no, take we, no, we, we make them like that. Hand them out to people. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, we we like the stickers to be. It's on my snare drum. I had a mess when you try to get them off, so that people don't try to get them off. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, must get me off. There you anyway, go. Um, so, uh, yeah, Doug, in the, in, in the Troubled Nation, we'd like to say uh, trouble never ends. But the struggle continues. Good night.